hello and welcome warmly to my channel that um, deals with all things emotional triggers, emotional reactivity, which is such a tender subject. So if you have if you have found me and you are interested in my message, chances are you feel hurt, that you are wounded, and that something in your life has re-triggered something old. And this is an incredibly painful process. And for most of us, the first many times we get poked on a on an emotional triggers that lie buried within the energy field of our body, we we try to fix it, well, in one of two ways. We either run away, we think this is not the right job, this is not the right boyfriend, this is not the right country or town or group of friends or what have you. And so we, we try to recreate the situation minus that that thing that triggered us. And when we've done that enough, we realize that we we sort of recreate a similar pattern wherever we go. We might also try to fix those feelings, um, those wounded, terrified feelings within by pleading with someone else to treat us differently, to, to do what we need them to do. I remember early on when I was I was married and predictably if you have some sort of an abandonment complex you're going to you're going to be attracted to someone who abandons you quite a bit. It's it's kind of textbook that you end up not being with someone who is everything that you didn't have in a certain area of your life but that you're more likely to repeat what hurts and then try to fix it so if you were abandoned as a child in a certain situation didn't feel safe didn't feel like you belonged didn't even feel loved perhaps then you will tend to look for uh, a situation and often a partner but it could also be friend or a place of work but a relationship that's kind of in your face you'll tend to look for uh <laughs> something akin to a duplicate of what that was. And that can be hard to see initially because if it was your, you know, say your mom that abandoned you in a given situation, then you don't initially recognize that same um, that same dynamic or that same person in, you know, a man, a husband 20 years later, 30 years later, say. Uh, but over time, you recognize that you are you're you're fighting with this person who is inherently not going to meet a specific need because that's why you were drawn to them because they trigger that place within you and you're trying to kind of have a do-over so whatever wasn't given to you when you were too small to even articulate it or, or realize how much you needed it or that you truly did deserve it then you try later um and and i circling back to an early time in my marriage when I first got together with my American husband, I was born and raised in Europe and I moved to his town in the States to be with him. And so I was quite isolated away from my own friends and family. And then he went on to do his thing, which was working a lot. And I was pleading, you know, you need to call me X amount of times a day and you need to check in with me. And um, I was trying to teach him how to treat me so that I wouldn't feel the impending loneliness that, well, you're going to feel if you move to another country where you don't know anybody. Um, and of course, it was reasonable that he, he sort of 
you know, stick by my side a little more than you might if you had married somebody who already had a full circle. So it's not to say that there was anything wrong with requesting the support, but it was so um, such a setup by me, um, for me, that I ended up in a situation where I was not going to have my emotional need for uh, connection met all the time. Um, and I see this in clients all the time, that someone who really needs a deep sense of connection and, and might even be what we might term needy, needy for uh, connection because there was an abandonment of sorts that happened early on, be attracted to exactly the kind of person that is likely to not provide that. And then it becomes this tug of war uh, between the one who wants to feel more free and the one who wants to feel more connected. Um, we talk about the attachment types, the anxious attachment type that needs constant reassurance and the avoidant who needs, you know, leave me alone, let me be free. And they're kind of, you know, they're, they're drawn to each other. But that's just one example of how an emotional trigger could show up in your life. It's really everything, everywhere, all the time. Um, we go through a string of triggers even in a given day. And um, when we're little kids, we're very sensitive. We might show it. We might cry if someone doesn't want to play with us. We might cry if somebody steals from us. We might really react if we're not being picked up. Um, and then as we get older, we learn to push those feelings down. And the way we do that is by feeling our bodies less and less. And what aids us in not feeling our bodies, which is detrimental, but, but nevertheless, what aids us in not feeling our bodies are things like uh, TV, electronics, um, sugar, and then maybe later alcohol. It's we, we think of it most mostly as perfectly legitimate that, you know, a child has candy and cake, at least for certain occasions. And little do we know that we're setting children up to, to um, become familiar with the euphoria of, of sugar and with the euphoria of um, not feeling the sad feelings. Of course, there's always a crash after that, just like there's a hangover with alcohol. When we get into the teenage years, we often learn other ways of numbing out. And it's almost like culturally accepted that that's what the teenage years are about. It's feeling a lot and then dealing with the feelings by not feeling them. And it even, the popular culture would even have you be, the, the, the less you feel, the less you express hurt, the less you're vulnerable, the cooler you are, something to that effect. My, my children who were raised in the States, um, explain to me in detail um, the concept of a reacher and a settler. And if you're not familiar with that, mean, that means, because I certainly was not, a reacher is somebody who is essentially the needy one who needs friends and reassurance and connection. And the settler is like, okay, well, I guess I'll be a friend, but I have so many friends, I barely have time because I'm so popular. And, and the, there's that dynamic that is happening already in the preteen years and, and certainly into high school, which really continues into adulthood. And we end up with this kind of uh, game of, of who is texting whom and who, who needs whom more. Um, and in, instead of just providing kind of solid partnership, 
to each other. I'm, I'm here, but you're still your own person and you're there and you're still your own person. It's a very hard balance to strike. Uh, but back to the emotional wounds that show up. They can show up in subtle ways and in huge ways. And when we first start to work with them, so say, for example, you come to me as a client uh, to do the Heal What Hurts journey, as I call it, um, either with me privately or in one of my group programs, um, we initially work with the less scary triggers, the, the ones that are not, you know, the the intimate partner where things really fell apart or, you know, a family member where it's just extremely painful and even bringing it up, especially in a group setting might just not feel safe. So we, we start by just working with um, less uh, scary triggers. And what we find is that they still lead us to the deeper triggers. So you could say it's a, it's a gentler way in where there might be less defense in the way, actually, when we if we take the the more superficial triggers, the ones that didn't throw us off completely, but just kind of put a little crinkle in our day. Um, so an example that comes to mind, I've done this work quite a bit with, with groups, and it I, I include it also in my teacher training when we talk about samskaras, which is the yogic terms for these, these wounds and knots that reside uh, within and that where prana, life force, can't flow and and how we cannot be quiet enough to really sense and feel the divine within us because these these knots kind of stand in the way a speck on the on the lens of our own light uh, but anyway so an example there was a, a a female student who shared how she had worked she was a nurse she received a call from a patient who said his uh, painkiller prescription had gotten lost so he needed a new one immediately and her initial reaction was, um, you're lying to me, you didn't really lose it, you're addicted to painkillers, and you think I'm an idiot who's just going to believe that you, that you lost it, and, or maybe you're selling you know, these painkillers on the street, um, and she essentially got really upset with him, and he was trying to persuade her, and they got into a little bit of a, an argument about this. And when she got off the phone from this interaction, she was she was really upset and to the point that she needed to go outside and smoke a cigarette because she couldn't really calm herself down. She was trying to quit smoking and yet this interaction disrupted her enough that she needed the she needed the, the calming agent. Now when we went into that and the way we do that in the heal what hurts work is first and foremost to become very, very, very aware of the body. And um, I have body scan meditations for you on my YouTube channel and um, also on my, um, my podcast channel. So you can certainly look for them and that would prepare you really well to do this work. But the, the body scan meditations are essentially guiding the awareness very deeply into the body. And there's no way to bypass this step. We, we want to go straight to the work. We want to understand it with our minds. But this is not mind work. This is, this is being present in the energy field of the body work. And that's, it's, it's like a different channel. So, okay, now I'm chatting and you're listening. So let it be okay that you're just you know, getting the information. But for this to really work and become a healing practice, 
you need to actually do the body scan meditation. And that would include, uh, in a much slower version than what I'm going to say now, it would include deeply feeling, you know, your facial features, your scalp, your ears, your head, neck, and shoulders, and your, your torso, chest, belly, lower abdomen, your arms, your fingers, your fingertips, your legs, your, your feet, your toes. So, and, and almost the, the, the deeper and slower and more mindfully you can scan the energy field of the body, the more you become alert and aware, first of all. But what you're also doing is you're bringing your awareness, your presence, your love, and, and that is synonymous with the divine you. That is your life force, your connection to divinity, to love, which is the healing agent. So you're already in the process of healing the energy field of your body, both emotionally and physically, when you bring yourself fully into your body. So, so even if you stop there and you didn't sort of dive into these contracted places, you would have already benefited your body tremendously. Things would already show up, um, messages from the energy field of your body. And, uh, and you help, you help energy flow um, more easily through the body. Um, we also work a lot with breath awareness. Uh, when I first start working with, with groups, individuals, we get a sense of how someone breathes. So, um, and now I have to uh, take a deep breath, just even speaking about the breath. Um, breath in my first language, which is Danish, breath is spirit, the same word, spirit. So you're spiriting when you're breathing. And I've, I've said this so many times in different talks, so I apologize if you've heard that before. But I think it's worth mentioning because we can, we can tend to identify with ourselves as these um, uh, human bodies that breathe in oxygen to keep our human bodies alive. And when we stop breathing in oxygen, the human body will die and that's the end of life. That's, that's for the most part how human beings have come to perceive of themselves. What I'm asking you to do in this work is even for a moment, think of yourself as the breath that is, that is giving life to this physical expression of you. So rather than being the body which you are, but you are what creates the body. You are what is expressing itself through the body. So it's like you take a step back and you acknowledge that the, the you that you are, the divinity, the presence, the love, the, the, the infinite source of which you are absolutely completely part of at all times is expressing itself in this body at this time in this way you know when we talk about spontaneous healing for example it's an instant shift in what stands behind the expression of the body but the body can only be a complete perfect expression of what's going on in your mind and when i say mind i, I don't mean just the mental realm but that too but it's the totality of, of your essence, individual self expressed in the body. And then we can really start working with ourselves in a completely different way. If we accept the body as an expression of where we're at in, at a given time, 
And we also accept what's around the body, i.e. our life circumstances as projected out into the world. Then we can start working with it from the perspective of, okay, I have at my disposal, because it's who I really am, life force itself, God force itself, source force itself to express, to create, to create in this case my body and then the circumstances around me. If we can start to work with the body from that perspective, then the, the presence that we create through our body scan and through our breath awareness becomes one of being really peacefully, lovingly present within the body. Now, it's not going to be all peaceful um, because there are places where we can't, that we can't fully access. It's almost like the, the, the energy field of the body has, has these knots, has these some scars, has these emotional wounds that are expressed as contractions. Um, and it can be very real, like you can feel it, like, oh, I have a tummy ache, I have a, you know, my lump in my throat, my chest feels tight, I can't breathe right. So it can be sort of above the horizon of awareness where it's super obvious, but it can also be below the horizon of awareness where there are contractions and tension, emotional knots in the body that we have effectively um, sort of shunned out of our, aware, of our awareness field. Um, I often liken it to um, having a house, a big, beautiful house, but there are certain rooms we just never go into, especially down in the basement, maybe or up in the attic or some a messy drawer, like some part of the house that we've just sort of abandoned. Like it, it's just always attracts a mess. And we just thought, you know what, I'm just going to close the door on that room. I'm going to enjoy my other rooms. And, and this room is not, I, I'm not dealing with that room. And, and that's where those places are. So when you suddenly get uh, triggered on something that, you know, is really, really old, back to the woman who had to go outside to smoke because she got so upset by the, the guy who asked for um, a prescription for painkiller medication. Oh, that was a long way around. But anyway... She, when we, when we dropped into the energy field of her body, and when I say we, it's because I, as a heal what hurts coach, over time, as a, as a coach in this discipline, you, you start to mirror your, the person you're working with, and, and you might even be doing that, um, already have that kind of capacity where you, when someone else is feeling a certain way in their body, you kind of, oh, you can kind of feel it just sitting with them. Now, when we dropped into the energy field of her body and checked, you know, what is in reaction, you know, sort of guiding her back to being on the phone with this person, the, the reactions that happened, the things she said, and then the moment before the cigarette, okay? So the, so the cigarette took the edge off. We want to be in the moment before we've taken the edge off and feel the raw feeling of that. And when she dropped into that feeling and I asked her, how old is this feeling? What does it remind you of? What else is contained in this feeling? Like we're not trying to think our way to it. We're trying to feel our way into what's going on here. And, and suddenly she burst into tears because the feeling reminded her of being the younger of several children. All the older ones were boys. And she felt always treated as though, you know, she was the little sister who could, wasn't really going to do much in life. And, um, 
And the message that she had felt was being projected on her at that time was, you know, I'm an idiot. And that's also what she said about this person who had called for the pain killer prescription. You take me for an idiot. Um, so she sat and felt and held this place within. Um, and I don't remember where in the energy field of her body it showed up because it's been some years. But say it was in the in the solar plexus, which is a typical place for for all pain to show up and she sat and simply held that and felt the little girl in herself who had felt like she needed to prove herself and that she was being seen um, as less than because she was a girl and she had to kind of stand up for herself and if she didn't you know she would be taken advantage of and, and people would lie to her and and she wasn't she didn't feel powerful um, so when she allowed herself, instead of lashing out and, um, you know, scolding this person on the phone um, or, or having the cigarette just yet, just felt the place in the body, that took the charge, sort of sharp edge out of this contraction in the body. And then uh, I guided her back to being on the phone with this person and said, is there another story aside from you know, this guy's taking me for an idiot and he's lying through his teeth. Is there another story that there's room for when you don't, when you're not reacting out of this old wounded place that has now been softened a little bit? It doesn't mean it's gone. It might, you know, it might erupt again, likely will. But every time we address it from that loving perspective of presence, instead of lashing out, we, we take a little bit of the charge out of it and it has less potency and less sort of power to make us react in a in a violent way you know verbally or 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 actually physically violent which of course can happen in the world too so when she was guided back to the situation with this person calling in for pain medicine um this time around she said well you know this poor person was obviously in so much pain that you know he might have first of all he might actually have lost his prescription Secondly, he might not. He might actually be lying and just really needing the, the, the pain medication for whatever pain he's going through. Or he might actually want to sell this stuff um, and be in such dire straits that he needs the money for that. So she will never know what was the truth there. And that's less important than recognizing that she was able to react with more compassion now the compassionate response might still have been you know you're gonna to have to talk to a doctor i can't just you know write out a new prescription for painkillers because you know people get addicted to this stuff and we want to make sure you're safe but it wouldn't have needed to erupt into um him her getting so angry with this person and, and needing a cigarette and being kind of shaken by it so that's 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 sort of an example of how a, a smaller trigger, which is not, you know, the big blowout with the partner or with a family member or something, but just a, a short in incident at work um, can still lead to a very old trigger. And that's what you will find in your own life as well if you start to address the things that happen in the course of even one day or in the last few days and think about something that really triggered you, if you allow yourself to feel the feeling of that in your body and be with it, if you 
if you stay with it um, and hold it and feel it and, and allow it to be um, embraced, and that doesn't mean it gets to sort of take over, but it gets to be held because it's a place that, that hurts, that is, you know, a bit activated. If you can stay with that, feel the pain of it lessen, you um, will likely react less next time something like that happens. Um, and the story will likely change. And that doesn't mean we, we can't also go in and we do in the Heal What Hurts journey. We can go in and look at the story that is arising and, and whether or not that story is, you know, tainted and biased because of the, the wounding. Um, but so often simply by being compassionate towards self, that compassion is also extended toward the other that, that was the triggering factor. Yeah. So, so much to learn here and so much healing. And often when uh, students, clients are presented with this and they first come to me with these emotional triggers that have usually you know, been causing problems for a little while before realizing I need, I need some help to be guided through this. Um, and so often I get the comment, oh, this is so much work. You know, people just want to be, be done. Um, but I invite you to think of it less, um, less as so much work and more as so much love because that is really what it is when you address the places within that are wounded with love, they start to melt. And love is not work. It feels wonderful to love. But to get yourself to that place of full, full loving presence, um, again, comes back to being willing to be in the body and to love self enough um, to give yourself that time. I'll, I'll leave you with my favorite mantra for this work. When you discover the contracted place in the energy field of the body and you first notice where it is, put your hand on it and, and acknowledge that it's there. First of all, acknowledge it because for most of us, there's that, you know, I don't want to feel this, so I'm going to have a cocktail. It's like, no, I do want to feel you. I, I notice this. It, it's, it's fear, it's anger, it's anxiety, whatever you want to name it, but simply acknowledge it. And then just the feeling, not the story, because the story could be off. The, the story could be, you know, kind of a um, almost like a malignant uh, story that can drag you down. So I'll do another podcast on how to differentiate between a toxic story and just the felt sensation. But be with the felt sensation, the actual contraction in the energy field of the body and say to it, I love you and I'm here. I love you and I'm here. And you will likely feel a shift in your energy just with those words. And um, I even encourage you if, you, if you can, to say them out loud. I love you. I'm here. And relax as much as you can in and around the area that feels contracted. And just watch and feel what happens with the energy if it starts to let go a little bit, release, soften just a little bit. And know that you're now taking a little bit of the charge out of that particular samskara. Okay. 
So that's enough for today. Um, I will have many more podcasts coming about all the different facets of this work, the fascinating facets and the, the many ways to love yourself and in the process of loving yourself, becoming so much better at truly loving someone else, you know, that your love then will spill over in a way that doesn't feel like it's draining you. Sending you so much love and I love you and I'm here. And now go to www.mariatoso.com and look at the different Heal What Hurts journey offerings um, that I have, whether you want to work with me in person or in a group, or I have an online course that also takes you through these steps. Um, And I will continue to put out free content as well. So you really can do quite a bit of this work. Um, you know, completely free of charge by by listening and, and following along and, and being willing to spend some time with yourself diving into this or, or maybe with a friend where you witness each other. Sending you love. Bye.